Welcome to Strength After Stillbirth podcast. Um, I want to really welcome um, everybody who's tuning in today and listening to the podcast. We do this podcast weekly um, to raise awareness, to build a community internationally, not just nationally, and to bring awareness of this stillbirth and postnatal loss awareness around the world. Um, I have a lovely lady today, today, all the way from USA. I'm going to let her introduce herself, but please welcome Shana today. Welcome, Shana. Thank you. Hello. Um, my name is Shana. As Millie said, I am from Louisiana in the United States. I am 51 years old. I'm a retired teacher. I taught um, middle school, excuse me, for 23 years. And my um, stillbirth experiences were 20 and 24 years ago. Um, my daughters, my twin daughters were stillborn in 1997 on March 1st. And then my son Hunter was stillborn on February 28th in 2001. Oh, so it's Shana, been a while. Shana, wow. Not just two, for me that's three there. That is three. My heart. Do you mind if I ask you questions about your first experience and how that sure. was? Absolutely. So, prior to, um, so what what led up to, you know, you going uh, finding out, losing your twins, if that's all right? Yes. Um, basically, it was lack of movement. Um, they had moved. They moved all the time, obviously, with two babies. And um, the particular day that we found out, um, I say we were referring to um, their dad, my husband and I, was just, you know, I guess you'd call it that maternal instinct that something wasn't right and I didn't feel movement like I should. Um, called my doctor and he, I met him at the hospital and it was confirmed that both of my babies had, had died. How many weeks were you, Shana? I was 26 weeks that time. And did they do any, did they give you a reason? Did they find anything? The reasoning that was, that, that contributed to that loss was twin to twin transfusion syndrome. And later testing after my second instance of stillbirth, um, well, second instance, but third baby, we did more testing to find out, you know, why this was happening. And I have an inherited clotting disorder okay. called Factor V Leiden. I'm heterozygous, which means I inherited it from one parent, but it tends, for me, it can manifest itself in many ways, but my specialists believe it tended to manifest itself for me in late pregnancy. Okay, okay. Um, and how, how, how many months was your, sec your second stillbirth? How many months was yours? So I was 35 weeks 35 with him. weeks. Wow, so close. So close, Shana. Very and, close. And what year were those two? Do you mind me asking exact years? No, not at all. 1997 mm. were my daughters. Mm. And 2001 was my son. Okay. And, I mean, I don't know. The, the, have you or has in, in medicine, have they come out with something for that particular cause or um I know um my sister ha had inherited the same disorder because mm. my specialist recommended my sisters be tested just to prevent that and she's experienced um loss as well 
but you can have injections of blood thinners mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So um, and, and what were your angels called? Shanna, did you have a name for them? I did. My, my daughters were Hope Elizabeth and Faith Nicole. I named their middle names were after my younger sisters because um, I'm significantly older than my sisters and they were so excited about just the whole aspect of twin girls for them to, um, you know, to play with and take care of. So I named them after them. Beautiful. So me and you connect here and I'll tell you why. Um, When I had my stillbirth, um, they did my bloods and they said I had something called anti-cardiolipin antibody. Um, One of the ladies in the previous podcast said called it as I'm allergic to pregnancy I'm allergic to having children so basically your body fights fights Mm -hmm. it um and obviously goes into a defense mode um so what I had was you know baby aspirin and injections every day of my following two pregnancies and they were successful so I'm sure that's probably you know linked to previous losses and maybe studies they've done to find you know ways of and mine wasn't hereditary thankfully what they found was it was protein c deficiency and it's not inherited they said and because mine was more linked to environmental factors because i did move area um from where i was before i had my children um but i'm hoping that's the case because i don't want my girls to you know have to struggle like i did like I did. So Shana, um, how did you feel um, with your second loss? Because you were so close. What was going through Um, your mind? I really think the thing that um, first was disbelief because I, um, I do have one living child between the two losses. And then I, I have a, a living child after my son Hunter, but it, it was disbelief because I truly kind of tried to, not tried, but contributed the loss to a twin complication. They were identical twins and they did share a placenta, but then my clotting disorder just contributed to, there was clotting in, you know, in their umbilical cords and so forth. So with my second experience, um, I truly was shocked. Um, and in, you know, in disbelief now through support systems and therapy, I knew that it wasn't impossible for someone to lose their baby at that stage of a pregnancy. Unfortunately, before you experience it, I think a lot of people are kind of naive to the fact that 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 can even happen. Um, And then I guess after the disbelief, it was more of anger. Did you have that same instinct again? Or were you in for an appointment or something like um, this? I did know, um, actually, this child, his name was Hunter Thomas, and he was a very predictable mover. So I um, kind of knew when to expect him to move. And um, he, he was fine. In my opinion, he was fine the night before because he had the hiccups. I, could, I was reading and my belly would make the, the book kind of jump. Um, and the next morning after typical, it was a Saturday after breakfast and drinking like cold juice, something cold typically would like wake him up and he would start moving and he didn't. And I gave it, 
not very long, something told me that things were not right. And um, we went to the hospital again and um, they, they could get no heartbeat. So sorry, Shauna. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Did you have to do... I'm sorry for your loss as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Shana. So did you um, um, have to deliver, um, obviously, normally in the hospital? Like Yes. Yeah. I did. And I did. there was complications for me after my son Hunter's delivery, which I know isn't related to the stillbirth, but my doctors feel the, re- the reasoning for that stillbirth, I had a concealed placental abruption. Mm caused by the clotting disorder mm. and it caused hemorrhaging for me mm. um, after the delivery. Mm. So I was in the in intensive care and um, things like that for a couple of days afterwards because I was medically not doing well. Yeah, yeah. And you had a blood transfusion, lots of, you know, were you... Yes. Yeah. And, and what was your iron levels like? Were they making sure that was creeping right. up? they were checking all of that. And the... I stayed in intensive care for mostly because my kidneys were beginning to shut down. Mm. So until after the blood transfusions and things started improving before, you know, I got moved into a typical hospital room. Yeah. And then I had to be on a special diet for a while to increase my iron levels and things from just the loss of blood. It's, It's like you probably didn't get the chance to spend much time with your baby because of your complications. They probably had to rush you. So was the dad with the baby and, you know? He, he was um, for a while. And then I think his concern shifted to me. And um, plus my son that was, my living child that was between the two losses um, was only two. So he, um, fortunately my mother, came into town to kind of take care of him so I know my husband was torn between we wanted to spend time with Hunter and um didn't get as much time as we would have liked to until I got not really healthy but better till I was moved into another room before I could actually see him again so yeah it was it didn't go exactly nothing but nothing about that is like you want it to go yeah but since I had experienced it before, there were things that I knew what to expect. I knew I wanted to spend as much time with him as I possibly could. And then that became impossible as well. Oh, heartbreaks, heartbreaks for you, Shanna. Um, one, one question that's come up today and I was discussing with a lady and she really wants to try, but she's terrified with your living son how did you cope like every day worrying so your first living child how did you manage with him it was difficult because once you experience that you know that there's the possibility of it happening um i think with my first living son what gave me some comfort was that he was a single pregnancy a singleton versus multiples keeping in mind that I thought that was the issue but it was it was not an enjoyable pregnancy at all I think moms like us get robbed of enjoying being pregnant so I I worried all the time I also rented um, a Doppler so I could check his heartbeat every day 
because that was the only thing. If he kind of had moments of not moving as much, once I, once the heartbeat could, could be detected outside of um, the doctor's office, that would give me the comfort of knowing, okay, he's not moving, but he's okay. Um, and I don't know in retrospect that that would have made a difference with my other children, but it helped me cope with the pregnancy, which was very, very hard. And um, I wouldn't allow myself to accept that I might have a living child because it was just too painful to to think about it because of the prep. I was almost as, as if prepping myself for the possibility of the worst happening again. Yeah, you, you come, you, like you said, you feel a little robbed because you can't have those aspirational thoughts of what he's going to look like or she's going to look like and the room and the colour and the clothes and particular names but what was that feeling Shana when he was born and he was or she he was in your arms well the, probably the best feeling I'd ever experienced um it makes me emotional now yeah, it's okay it's beautiful this yeah. is really beautiful this is really nice um, but yeah it, I just I still can't explain it yeah because it was like finally you know he was here and I dealt with issues of am I really a mother mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. you know I had him mm-hmm. so uh, uh, so so there's good news there everybody there's there's la- there's definitely hope there's definitely you know there's there is there is life after loss and at least you didn't give up Shana you didn't you didn't give up on yourself and then your most recent um obviously your youngest child um when did you try for that pregnancy and what was what were you feeling and going through at the time um well we I was trying to think of exactly. I waited a little longer because mm-hmm. my doctors advised me that my body mm. needed time to recover from just the pregnancy and the hemorrhaging and things like that. So it was probably um, a little more than a year mm-hmm. before attempting to to say, okay, I think I want, I want to do this. Mm. And it actually happened relatively quickly because my um, maternal fetal, fetal medicine doctor had wanted to run some testing and I actually got pregnant before the testing was done. Mm-hmm. So it was when I was pregnant with my son that I found out about the clotting disorder. Mm-hmm. And of course, it, I was riddled with fear then because all of the tests he had run were coming out normal, mm-hmm. except that one. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, I mean, at the time in Louisiana, it's I live, Lafayette is not a, a really big city. It's mm. it's kind of a, a larger town, but they had to send the blood work off to be tested for the factor five. Mm. So when he told me about it, of course, I had, I had researched. I tend to be, I, I guess it's the educator in me mm. to want to know as much as I possibly can. And I knew that that was something that needed to be treated. And um, so I was really, really afraid. But at that point, we found out in my pregnancy when I was 16 weeks pregnant, and it was too late to start blood thinners at that point. Okay. Because he's my my doctor felt that then that would increase the likelihood of a loss okay. because it should have been should have happened all along. Okay. Um, 
And he told me that if it happened again, you know, he said, we know how we'll aggressively treat you. Mm. And that's the first time I said, I don't think I can do this again. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but fortunately, uh, I mean, I'm a faithful person mm. and I went into labor with him 10 weeks early. Okay. Um, so, and I, I was oh. teaching, but I kind of, everything that kind of would typically happen that say typically happened my other living son's pregnancy was almost textbook Mm. everything seemed fine but with this my my younger son his name is Reagan I I dilated early and I failed my glucose screening it was just every little thing that they tested me for seemed to happen and then I had basically what I thought were Braxton Hicks contractions but my doctor had told me since I was starting to dilate if I had too many in a certain period of time to to call him and when I called him the next morning I didn't call in the middle of the night because he said you know you don't have to call me you know at two o'clock in the morning but but do and he said well he had me come in just to examine me and they put a, a monitor on me and he decided to send me to the hospital to just be watched he said we'll send you there for about three hours and um it, it just all happened so quickly before I knew it I was contracting like every minute and a half and um, obviously very, very afraid because I thought I knew it was too early for it. Well, one of the nurses who actually was there when I delivered my my son, Hunter, she said, it's going to be okay." And I was thinking, I don't know that, you know, but I spent the rest of the pregnancy in the hospital on bed rest. Um, They stopped the labor. And um, it was it was difficult, but I couldn't. I felt comfortable more so being in the hospital. So you and so you went in at thirty weeks, and then they stopped the labour. And when did you deliver? It was at thirty-seven weeks. <gasps> oh, that's wonderful! Oh, yeah. that is wonderful! Oh, that is a, that is a blessing that they, you know, ah, oh, seven weeks. I don't care. Even let it be twelve weeks. You know, absolutely. He's in your arms and he's he's doing well. Right. Uh, oh, that's that is. And beautiful. they induced labor with him. Ironically, they finally <laughs> stopped it. But once my I had amniocentesis and once his lungs showed maturity, yeah. The, the, the my specialist said he he just weighed the options and he said you're far enough along mm. to let's let's have this baby. Good. So good. Good. Oh, I'm so glad they took good care of you. I'm so glad. Oh, wow. Um, I'm so I'm so sad for your losses, but I'm so happy for your babies too, the living babies. Thank you so much. Oh, amazing. You've been through so much, Shauna. You've been through what two, three women have probably gone through. Do you know what I mean? You've, and I've noticed you cross. So that brings me to the next question: Is how important was your faith in all of this? It was um, extremely important, but I struggled. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Take your time. It's okay, my love. It's okay. Um, I think my faith faltered after after my son Hunter. Mm -hmm. No, I know it did because I um, I was angry with God. Yeah. 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 Very. I had such feelings of resentment when I um, would see, for an example, we had um, a relative whose wife 
was having a baby in the hospital the same day that I was having Hunter. And I knew she smoked through her pregnancy and she just didn't take care of herself. And I had a really hard time with things like that. Um, Like if we ran into them once in the store, right? Not long after it happened. And I had to just turn around and walk away because I I resented the fact that she had her baby and I knew she didn't take care of herself when she was pregnant. And I did everything you know, that my doctor said, I wouldn't allow myself to eat a hot dog or, you know, have caffeine, all the typical things that even some people told me I was going overboard with being cautious. I just didn't, I wanted to do everything possible at each time I was pregnant. Um, But my faith, it it took a while for um, my faith to reestablish itself, I guess. It, it never left, but I remember the priest at my son's burial afterwards telling me to give it to God. And I said, I'm so angry with God. And um, he told me, he said, he can take it. It's okay to be angry. Um, but my faith never left me because that's what really did get me through it. That just shows how much you love him too at the same time because that is allowed that is a form of love you know that expression of anger you know it is and sometimes we need those times where we we don't want to make sense of everything not not everything has to make sense you know um we don't have nothing nothing sometimes you think well why me? Why, especially for you, why me again? Um, but was your still first living son, did he get you through it a little bit? Did he help you? It, he did. Um, it, that was definitely a blessing because um, I remember telling someone that he was the reason I got up to bed every day. Same. <laughs> the same, honestly, the same reason. No, otherwise, I don't, I, I just don't even know what I would have done. He, he stayed with a sitter when I was working and um, I had, which she loved him. She kept, she was a sitter in her home. And I told her, I said, the minute that my doctor had released me and said that I could lift and things like that, I told her, I said, I'm so sorry. I need him with me because he is what got me up every morning yeah he's he's you know he's your he's your living he's your he's your living pride and joy and you know you're the reason for your breathe your breathe you know you stay you're staying alive and yeah it it definitely that was the same case for me as well but then you've also had it the other way around as well because your twins were lost first and you were in a situation where you still had to get out of bed every day um so what was that what what then helped you a little bit what i think what started to help me at first my well it my husband and i um had a very very strong relationship and honestly that that loss i would say bonded us even closer and um i started seeking counseling through a therapist because i wasn't 
dealing as well with it as I was, I was, I would hope to have. And I joined a support group at the hospital. The social worker there encouraged me to do that. And it did help to see that there were other people who truly knew how I felt because until that experience, I knew people that had like early miscarriages, which were very sad, but I didn't know anyone that had lost a baby after they felt them moving, who walked into the hospital with a big belly and left with empty arms. So that, that helped me to be able to connect with, with, with others. And, um, I just kind of took it day by day, you know, through prayer and my family was supportive, even though I don't, they live a few hours away. They called me, my mom would call me almost every day to just to see how I was. And, um, that, that support helped. Yeah. Really good. Um, so we'll have lots of women and parents and men believe it or not listen to this podcast um last i looked it was something like 30 something percent so you know parents who are struggling right now with loss and miscarriages and and stillbirths what piece of advice or help could you give them to make them get up that extra day and and help in their grief I think, um, and I've said this to people before, I think my advice or encouraging words may be that it does get better. I remember there being a part where early on thinking there's, this is how the rest of my life is going to be. And I also spoke to a a newer lost mom one day and she said, it it doesn't get better. It's never going to get better. And it made me stop and think. And I told her, I said, it does. And I said, I believe that it's obviously it's still there. But I said, you learn to, um, you learn to live with it. You don't give up. Lean, I would advise, advise them to lean on people. And I think one of the other things that is important to do is to tell people, your, your support system, whomever that is, what you need from them because they don't know you know I remember seeing having friends that would avoid me Mm. and I finally said you know it's not contagious you're not gonna contract this and she later told me she said I didn't know what to say to you and I wish early on I had been able to tell people um what I needed more than I kind of wanted to isolate myself you know the first time I actually went to the grocery store was was very difficult. It was like going out in public was hard. But I would just encourage them to seek support, not to give up, and to know that you do learn to, to it never goes away, but you learn to live with it and you learn to build your life around it. And it uh, I do believe it develops us into obviously the people we've become. And what does life look like now for you, Shana? Your life after loss, how have you, how how is your life in a kind of a, in a nutshell? What are you doing with yourself? Well, as I was saying, I'm a a retired teacher. Um, I just recently, actually just a few weeks ago, 
I've always said that I wanted to try to bring awareness to stillbirth or and or to help mothers that are dealing with it. And so late, not I'm not like I use social media and I'm, it's not a constant for me, but I kind of like to call it sprinkle in just awareness tips to to people and to more so to help the general public know how to deal with us because I don't believe they do. So that has become something that I am focusing on. And also I have a friend or an acquaintance who has a ministry through, it's a like a Catholic ministry, but it's for families who have experienced loss up to even living children um, dying. And she reached, she reached out to me actually this week asking if my husband and I would be willing to to help at one of those meetings because I, we kind of have a unique experience. After my second stillbirth, it, it affected my marriage. And ultimately we, we divorced. And so her request is for a newly married couple where one of the parents is not the biological parent of the loss. Um, she asked us to think about it, pray about it, and to decide if we would be willing to help them. So anyway, I guess in a nutshell, my desire is to to try to help others. That's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. And, and we're here together having this conversation for a reason. Yeah. Absolutely. Where can anybody find you, Shana, if they want to get in touch? Well, I'm, I mean, I just have a basic Facebook page, which is um, my name, Shanna Lindsay Prejean. You can look me up there and friend me. Um, I don't even know what my Instagram <laughs> title is. We can we can Instagram we can much. add it onto the comments when we post. Okay. It's not a problem. And then or the the email that you have, they could reach me via email. Yeah, yeah, the email that I have. That's wonderful. Oh, Shana, I'm just taking a, I'm just taking a second to just to absorb your how powerful you are. How amazing you are. And your sons must be so proud of you and your partner. I, I think so. Um, I do know with my living children, it, it made me um, very overprotective. Yeah. Like, to the point, it for a while affected my relationship with my oldest son. Because I was so worried about something happening to him. Mm. I'm sorry. No, no, don't apologize. Don't apologize. This is um, this is what sometimes talking about it helps, you know, get some closure. Right. Yeah. And we do have a good relationship. And we never had a bad relationship. But it took his dad, my ex-husband, sitting down with me once. And he said, you, you have to let him grow up. Yeah. Because I was so, you know, how they, they call them helicopter parents. Yes. Yeah. That's that was what I was. I worried about absolutely everything, and um, he, you know, he started to resent that. Mm. He said, um, "You can't protect me from everything," and I was like, "Well, I can try." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. But, but I do have a good relationship with him, and I do think it made me into the mother that I am. Maybe a little overprotective, but also I know not to take it for granted. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what we need to take away from this as well, Shana, is how you manage to keep your strength, mental and physical health 
together because going through all that isn't an easy thing. And then healing from it and then recovering and then going for another round. Do you know, it's, it is a lot of strength in you, Shauna. And you should be so, so proud of yourself. And I'm sure your baby's up there uh, really rooting on for mummy. And, you know, we want to honour them today and let them know that they're loved and they're thought about and they're talked about. And this is what this programme is about. It's just to honour our angel babies and to honour ourselves as well and help people around the world who are dealing with similar experiences of loss and grief. Shana, I want to thank you for your time today. Um, We will add your links and handles to the post when we post it. I'm going to take this minute and really, really appreciate everything that you've given to us today. And this is going to help not just one, but thousands of families around the world. You are amazing. And I wish you every best in the world. Thank you so much. Thank you.